it's these billions of decisions, you know, and every one of those decisions you make can, can help. And that's all we can really do at the moment. Of course, there's going to be new innovations and everything else coming that's going to make your life a lot easier. Uh, but until then, just try to do your part to reduce your own footprint. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week, we're going to take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. Welcome to the show. Guys, this week we have a little specialty episode. Earth Day is this week. And I know Earth Day is one of those B-list holidays that often gets overlooked, but not on this show, baby. Earth Day isn't just about showing appreciation for nature by drinking on patios, although it's a great day for that. It's really a day for global action to face some of the issues threatening our amazing planet. I think we all have a basic awareness of some of the big environmental issues we face, but I really wanted to take the time this week to dive in a little bit deeper. I know the sheer scope of these issues can be extremely overwhelming and hard to even grasp. So I wanted to bring in a close friend of mine, somebody who works in this space every single day to come have a combo about some of the big things that need our attention. Our guest this week is Tony Verruti from Parlay, which is an organization dedicated to raising awareness and finding creative solutions for some of the major threats facing our planet. Tony is in this fight every day and just has some mind-blowing information we all need to hear when it comes to what's going on in the environment, why we should care, and most importantly, what we can do as individuals to help. When you start going down the rabbit hole on this stuff, I mean, it is just eye-opening. And I would say this episode is a must-listen. Knowledge is power. And while we can't cover everything in the short amount of time for this episode, I think you are definitely going to walk away more informed and more empowered to make some changes. Because this is a big kid problem that faces all of us. Like we only have one planet and baby girl needs our attention. So I'm going to encourage you guys to pass this episode along, maybe post it on your Instagram story to share some of this important info. And I'm also going to encourage you guys to stick around to the end because I have lots of resources for you and even a fun giveaway happening in celebration of Earth Day. So stick around, get comfy, and we will be right back. 
while we talk about taking care of the planet this week, we should also talk about taking care of ourselves. Popping a multivitamin is one of the easiest things you can do for your body. And I have become absolutely obsessed with Ritual. If you guys don't know Ritual by now, it is a vegan-friendly, clean multivitamin formulated with nine key nutrients, including vitamin D3, iron, omega-3, B12, folate, and more to help fill gaps in the diet. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. So they have formulations for women specifically or men, teens, and they even have a best-selling prenatal vitamin that people rave about. One of my best friends is eight months pregnant and she absolutely swears by the Ritual prenatal. Uh, I actually got on the Ritual train back in January and it was part of my New Year's resolutions to stick to a vitamin regimen. And this one has been by far the easiest to stick to. They taste minty fresh and come in delayed release capsules. So you can actually take them with or without food, which is a huge plus. Because I know if I have to wait to take my multivitamin with food, I forget half the time. I'm also a huge sucker for convenience. So I just love that Ritual delivers my multivitamin right right to my door every month with free shipping and I don't have to think twice about it. You can start snooze or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't absolutely love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash big kid to start your ritual today. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now by Tony Verruti. He is the head of partnerships and strategy for Parlay. Welcome to the show, bud. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Oh my gosh. I've been very excited for this interview. I feel like we talked about this a couple months ago. We were like, we should do something for Earth Day. And here we are. Here we are. It's it's coming. The 51st anniversary of Earth Day. 51st. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that. I feel like I feel like Earth Day is just like one of those B-list holidays that people forget about, which is so sad. And then I wanted to talk to you. I'm like, why should we care about Earth Day? Yeah, it's definitely kind of a redheaded stepchild holiday that not many people pay attention to. But you know, it's always been a really powerful time uh, to coalesce people around Earth um, and climate action. Uh, and the movement really started, yeah, like 50 years ago. But I think thinking about earth in general, like we just have to remember and reflect sometimes how amazing it is that we're even able to live on this planet in the way we do. The fact that we're able to like have this perfect balance and ecosystem of the atmosphere, the way that the earth you know, rotates and, and has tides and has really developed this atmosphere that makes it livable. And all of these little microorganisms that exist um, that really give us the air we breathe. and if you just think about it a little bit, there's so much amazing luck that we have to be on this planet, walking around, talking to each other, living in this perfect little sphere. And you know, we haven't found life on any other planet yet, although it assumes that there is probably something out there. But when we think about Earth, like we are really, really lucky to even be in this delicate balance and this ecosystem that gives us the ability to live the lives we do. I yes, a hundred percent. And I love I love just thinking about that in that way because you're right. I feel like it's one of those things that we all take for granted. 
For sure. I mean, think about the oceans um, that, you know, is covered in 70% of the planet. The fact that these trees have been here for billions of years and everything is kind of evolved through through science and things like photosynthesis that are able to give the right balance of the of the atmosphere and the air that we breathe. Think about all of these little organisms that have created this amazing ecosystem and the biodiversity that exists and the way that you know trees have developed networks underground that go miles long. And there's all of this like beauty and just amazement on this planet. And we're kind of taking advantage of it. And the reality is now the next 10 years ahead will really determine how human beings can continue to live on this earth in a, in a real way uh, without destroying it. So we're really running out of time. And if you think about that balance, urgent action is needed now because of the problems that we've created here. Yeah. And I mean, that is exactly why I was so excited to bring you on here today. So we could actually hear a little bit more about this because I think it's one of those things that we all, you know, we know that the environment has some issues, has some problems ahead of it. And a lot of us aren't sure, you know, what to do, what we can do. Real quick. So I know you work for Parlay. If anybody doesn't know what that is, can you share a little bit about that organization and kind of your, your background? Yeah, for sure. My background, before I joined Parlay, my background was that I started living in Silicon Valley, um, started my career there, worked there for 10 years, was in management consulting, and then decided I didn't want to die there. And I moved to Italy and I got my master's over there and decided from there to move to New York and um, ultimately found my way to Parlay because I was born by the ocean and in the mountains and nature and realized that actually most of the big issues we face today have to be solved um, creatively. Um, and using my skills in business, I've been able to kind of apply it to some of the big challenges we face as it relates to climate. Parlay is a collaboration space. It was perfect for me. You know, we work with different brands, different governments. We work with the World Bank and the United Nations, creators, designers, artists, musicians, really bringing everybody from all walks of life together to work on projects that can prevent the destruction of the oceans. So we've been around for eight years. Uh, we started off with a key partnership with Adidas. We collect ocean from all, uh, plastic from all over the world, at the end of the world, from beaches and coastlines. We take that plastic, we turn it into products that we call symbols of change. So we've gone on to sell 35 million products with Adidas. We've gone on to make the first ever American Express credit card. We work with Anheuser-Busch InBev. And a lot of big other brands, but um, we also work with governments. We partnered with the World Bank last year. We're partnering with 10 countries now in South Asia. But really, every environmental issue we face today is an economic design failure. That means that the materials we're using, uh, the business processes that are in place, they weren't designed to protect the planet. And in fact, they've been destroying it. So for us, our mission is really to kind of redesign businesses and processes and materials and think of new creative solutions so that we can actually live in harmony on this earth instead of just tearing it apart. So that's what we do, super high level. Our founders are designers by trade, which is interesting because every issue we look at is a design challenge. And um, that's really how we're going to get out of some of the mess we're in today is redesigning a lot of the, the things we do today. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of just even want to get like a basic understanding of like the, what it is that we're facing, like some of the like the hill that we're looking up when it comes to some of these um, economic or environmental challenges. And I know you guys work with a lot with oceans. Like, what's the current what's the current situation that we're facing when it comes to the environmental challenges? It's a 
big question. When we, <laughs> I know. When, uh, when we started Parlay, um, there were three things we looked at. It was climate change, overfishing and illegal fishing, and plastic pollution. And plastic pollution kind of became this, this symbol, this entire toxic era we're living in. It's this thing that we, we trust, really. It hasn't been around forever. And we basically have plasticized the planet. We're dumping 8 million tons of plastic into the ocean every year. Um, that's like a garbage truck every minute just being dumped in. Um, a lot of it is because we don't have infrastructure in developing countries, but even more so, like plastic is a design failure because 9% of it globally actually gets recycled. So the whole plastics industry will tell you that you can recycle, reduce, reuse. That whole idea is actually broken and it puts the onus on you as a consumer to say, oh, this material itself is okay. You just have to dispose of it more responsibly. But as you see on the bottom of all these plastic packaging, there's like seven different types of plastic. And the reality is only a handful of them are actually recyclable. And they get mixed in with all the other non-recyclables. So it requires all sorts of sorting and everything else. But realistically, it ends up in the landfills, which then end up in the natural environments, ends up in the ocean. Um, but plastic is one piece of it. Um, it. All of this is super interconnected, by the way, because then you can look at carbon. Right. And carbon has been absolutely, I mean, with the amount of carbon we're burning through fossil fuels, energy, travel, all of this, um, everything we do, and we're made of carbon, right? But what we're doing is creating too much for the atmosphere to handle. The oceans have to absorb a lot of it. So in the last hundred years, we've increased our parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere by a hundred million tons. What is happening is that, so since 1950, Carbon has gone from 315 parts per million to 417 parts per million. What that means is that the atmosphere is just getting warmer and the oceans are also absorbing all of this carbon. So when you look at plastic pollution, you look at carbon emissions, the planet is just getting unsustainable. So ultimately what we're doing is now thinking through ways of which, how can we even address this, right? Because we're so dependent on plastic. We're addicted to plastic. It's raining plastic on the tallest mountains uh, in the world, on top of Mount Everest, you find microplastics. It's in our body. Um, and ultimately, carbon is the same thing, um, but you can't see it. So it's a lot harder to kind of conceptualize it, right? But to answer your question, how big is this problem? Well, we plasticize the planet and we're burning carbon emissions at a completely unsustainable rate. And now we're trying to do all these things to offset, right? So planting trees and um, doing all of these other things, which are trying to make a difference. But to give you a sense of the issue, Bill Gates just said this in his, uh, in his book, but if every American today was to address their carbon emissions, that's 4% of the planet, we need 16 billion acres of landmass. That's half of the world's landmass just for the United States carbon footprint. So the reality is <laughs> we're well beyond that as a um, as what, we, what we're doing today. So we're going to have to move extremely quickly in the next 30 years if we have a shot at staying on this earth and surviving. That's what's so scary. I mean, I think when I started when I started researching for this episode, you know, I, I was like, let me give the audience a couple like quick tips on how to recycle or like reduce their carbon footprint. But that's kind of the scary thing is it's like there's only so much that we can do and we're like so far past the point of all of us just trying to reduce a little bit or like do our weekly recycling. Like it sounds like there's 
a lot bigger um, things that need to happen in order for our planet to uh, survive. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's daunting, right? Because you hear all of these stats, and you're like, "Well, what can I do individually?" The reality is, in, in 1920, we had roughly 1.5 billion people. Now we're close to having 8 billion people on this earth, right? So everything that was designed then, and you have the Industrial Revolution and all of that that happened. So if you take all of this into consideration, now we're looking at a scenario in which it took billions of people making billions of decisions to get to this place. So now we have to start thinking about how do we take billions of people to start making billions of different decisions, right? And really the power of all of this should lie in the hand of the consumer, but that's suggesting that they have a choice to be able to like choose alternative options. And it's really hard because now everything is labeled sustainable everything is sustainable. So like what is really okay and what's not? And there's a lot of money being made in the sustainability business, but not all of it is actually doing what's right and figuring out what's right for the next 50 years is also a huge daunting challenge. But I do believe we we have a shot at doing it. It is really... It's it's really hard too. I mean, as a consumer, I, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but like I, you know, last year when we were kind of living in quarantine, I feel like I realized how much trash we accumulate, you know, it's like just Brandon and I in our house and like between takeout orders and between like weekly shipments that we get, like we were, we were just like noticing how much like stuff that we accrue. And it is really hard as like a consumer. I'm like, you know, all of this like single use plastic that comes into our lives, it can be really hard to offset. Even if you're aware of it, it's, it's, it's tough too. And I remember I I heard this like one statistic that I think was really crazy um, that, that we, we are ingesting. I know you talked about like how we plasticize the planet, but uh, that we ingest about a credit card's worth of plastic. Oh, is it a week? Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So that's what the science is saying. So fifty thousand microplastics a year, right? So that's the equivalent to eating a credit card a week. That's assuming you're also like not drinking out of a plastic bottle or like heating up takeout in a microwave, right? If that number goes more to like 100,000 microplastics a year. So like we are completely, you also think about, you know, the food we're eating, it's in salt, it's in essentially plastic is in everything, right? It's in the oceans, Mm. it's in the air, it's in the rain, it's in the snow, it's in our blood. And there's a whole huge new frontier of science coming out around what actually plastic is doing to our health. Um, What's it doing to our reproductive systems? What's it doing to our respiratory systems? What's it doing to our neurological systems? These are things that are like still fairly unknown, but a lot of the science is starting to point to, you know, reduction in sperm count, having um, actually like um, variables to the type of sperm you have, not strong swimmers, essentially, right? Um, Harder for women to have children and higher rates of miscarriages through not only plastics, but other toxic materials, because plastic is really just like a symbol for all of these other toxins that we're putting into our body. And industry has been you know, making money and cutting costs and ultimately using these plastics like plasticizers and shampoo bottles. Um, certain ones of them have different types of phthalates. And you can, you know, as you are actually like using these products, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable to health impacts. And it's hard to draw a direct correlation to all of these things. But a lot of the science today 
is starting to become very alarming and something that I think there's going to be a lot more attention on on governments basically to start regulating. You know, in Europe, there's a lot more regulation. In the States, there's not. And there's different reasons for that. But um, ultimately, yeah, we are ingesting a lot of toxins and a lot of plastic. And plastic is a byproduct of oil, right? So, you know, if you think about this, it's a it's petrol and it's really like not something your body wants in it. Um, so it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in the years to come. One study just came out that said, you know, men may not be able to reproduce by the year 2045. Um and she's uh, she's a doctor at Mount Sinai, and she's done a lot of really incredible research on this. A bunch of peer-reviewed articles, and that's alarming. This is like *Hands Made Tale* coming to real life, you know? Yeah, that's what's so nuts. Is it's like not an issue that you know is going to be hundreds of years away. It's it's uh, it's going to be in our lifetime. I'm like, how many more freaking, you know, global crises can, can we manage? Can our generation handle? Honestly, no. That that research is really alarming, and I know you were sending me like some articles too, like even leading up to this interview about some of that, and I was just like freaking out. And what one of those articles was not even only just like how it, it affects our reproductive systems, but like even like dudes' dick sizes. Like yeah. legitimately, plastics are like low, like in decreasing the size of like male genitalia yeah. or something like that yeah i mean whatever guy needs an excuse out there he can have that in. <laughs> but yeah i mean it's shocking sperm count yeah but like your dick size is shrinking you know if you need more <laughs> of a reason to stop using plastic um i don't know so i know i had to drop that factoid just because that was my one thing i'm like if, if i can't get you to care about it after learning that you know like yeah, yeah I, there's no help for us Guys, as we talk about being a conscious consumer in this episode, if you don't already know about ButcherBox, you need to. If you're a meat eater, ButcherBox is the easiest way to get super high quality, humanely sourced meat right to your door every month. Ever since quarantine, I've been cooking more at home and I really do try to be conscious when I'm buying meat. Like I want to support humane practices, but labels can be misleading. And a lot of times grocery stores don't have a great selection. So when my fiance told me about ButcherBox months ago, I was 100% on board. I've been using ButcherBox since way before they became a sponsor of this show. I am obsessed. How it works is every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to my home. Options like 100% grass-fed finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-bred pork, or wild-caught salmon. There are no added antibiotics or hormones ever. And ButcherBox has done the work to source from trusted partners with fair labor practices. Each box has about nine to 11 pounds of meat. That's enough for 24 individual meals. It comes out to just about $6 a meal. So not only is it high quality and convenient, it's also affordable. Everything is packed fresh and shipped frozen and vacuum sealed. So it stays that way. And you can customize your box or just go with one of theirs. But either way, it just makes life so much easier. 
for a limited time, ButcherBox is offering new members a free essentials bundle in their first box. That's three pounds of chicken breast, two pounds of pork chops, and two pounds of ground beef, all for free in your first box. So if you're cooking for a family or just have a very hungry partner, that is going to save you at least three meals right there. Just go to butcherbox.com slash BKP. That's butcherbox.com slash BKP to get a free essentials bundle in your first box. Check it out. Okay, so tons of tons of health issues just with these plastics. <sighs> It's so it's so nuts, man. It's it's actually shocking, and the projections now are saying that we're going to continue to consume more plastic. COVID certainly didn't help with like the PPE, but more than that, people also want like clean containers, and they want you know bottled water because they feel it's safe. And bottled water has been like one of the craziest things because there's no quality control over bottled water. But the reality is we are, as a society today, going to continue to consume more plastic unless something drastically changes. What needs to change? Probably regulation, although governments move quite slow. And really, our philosophy is that if we can have brands become catalysts and champions of change, consumers actually want to be able to like hit a button to know that they're going to be able to do something that's better for the planet, better for their own health, et cetera. Like we just see it time and time again, and not enough brands are taking leadership in it. A lot are somewhat trying, but the innovation to really transform your brand is super risky for a CEO who has an average lifestyle or lifestyle for three years. You know, so like, are mm. they going to be the ones to invest in a radically new product that's going to cost millions, if not billions of dollars and upend their entire business? That's their legacy. Like, it's hard for CEOs to justify that to investors. But consumers, if brands today take leadership, they will be rewarded indefinitely because they will be seen as a brand that you can trust. And today, 80% of millennials want to buy from brands that they believe are doing better for the planet. So like at the end of the day, you don't have to do this for environmental reasons, although I think you should. I passionately believe that you should. But you can also like do it because it's going to be good for business. It's going to drive commercial value. It's going to create brand trust and build on sentiment. And more and more millennials and Gen Z and even future generations, they're buying more from brands that are doing better because they've got the most to lose. That's why you see so much momentum from youth in the climate march. Um, and you know we're going to continue to see more and more activists in that age group because they're like, what the hell are we going to do here? You know, they're going to be stranded. Yeah, I know. The numbers, are, the numbers are definitely scary. I was just thinking about that watching... I just watched that Seaspiracy yeah. documentary on Netflix yeah. and like, wanted to cry. Um, but that was a big thing. It was like by 2048, like we're going to hit all of these like huge, huge problems where like we'll be completely overfished. There might not be like fish left in the ocean by 2048. And I'm like, holy shit, we'll be there for that. And like our kids, like I, I, I start to think about like this next generation that's coming in. Like what is the shit that they're going to deal with? Like, holy crap. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, you know, even if we cut off emissions today, and like stop using plastic, 
the reality is, is that it's like a slow drip, you know, in a, in a bathtub, Bill Gates explains it. It's like, you're still going to be overflowing. And even the carbon has a target of 2048. We believe in a much more aggressive timeline because 2048 before like you've enacted change is never going to allow us to survive. The carbon, the same 2048, you know, the conspiracy was mentioned that as well. It's going to be way quicker than that. It's going to be way quicker than that because we're already seeing, look, look what happened in Australia and in California with these fires. You know, in the last 15 years, we've had the 10 hottest years on this planet, uh, at least since, you know, our existence here as humans. So we started measuring it. That's shocking. In the last 15 years, 10 years have been the hottest. So like, it's going to continue to get worse. Oceans are going to continue to have to wear the brunt of it where they're, you know, acidifying. Um, and that means that more life in the oceans are going to die, not only from this horrible overfishing and industrialized fishing, but, you know, it's, we're continuing to lose things like phytoplankton, right? Phytoplankton, half of the air we breathe is generated from the oceans, right? So every second breath you take, no matter where you are in the world, is generated from the oceans and largely because of these phytoplankton, which are like microscopic, you know, little, little guys in there taking carbon and giving us oxygen. But since 1950, I think it was, phytoplankton have levels have reduced by 40%. That means that the air that we are actually breathing because of the ocean now, we're going to be suffocating and we're continuing to release new, you know, new emissions, new, and there's big push around electric. And, you know, like when we see certain car companies making electric cool, that's great because the big problem with environmentalists is they've been seen as like tree huggers, you know, and mm-hmm. seen as people that are like, you know, wearing tivas and eating granola and <laughs> hugging trees. And, you know, that's the reality. Our, our role at Parlay, we, we always talk about making environmentalism sexy because um, if we can make it cool, then people will adopt it. That's why we're working with like some of the big fashion houses and couture and stuff and like working at the very top because it'll make, it, make its way down. Yeah. I hate that, that some of this stuff gets politicized too, because it's like it, it, it's like an issue that shouldn't be one side or the other. It's like affecting all of us. That was one thing that was one thing in the Seaspiracy documentary that I didn't really know. Maybe I'm an idiot for not knowing this, but that the oceans are so responsible for like the carbon reduction in our air. Yeah. Without whales, without a lot of the animals um uh, in the ocean, like we're it, it's it's lowering its um ability to reduce that carbon. I didn't know the ocean was such like played such a pivotal role and that it was just at as at risk as it is. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's not, you know, the whales sequester massive amounts of carbon when they die and they sink to the bottom of the seabed. You know, that that carbon goes with them and in, into um into the earth again. It's really sequestered. When you look at other ocean ecosystems like mangroves and kelp forests, right? These these species sequester tons of carbon. So when we look at like all of these different solutions, you know, there's nature based, there's planting trees, there's mangroves, there's seagrass and kelp. Um, they also provide massive amounts of biodiversity, which allow fish to thrive. When fish have all of these other benefits for a healthy ocean that we know of, so um, the oceans, you know, in, in our opinion, is the most important ecosystem. But you know, it's not not to say that the rainforests don't matter. We just, you know, we are planet ocean. I mean, seventy percent of this Earth. Is covered in the ocean. And with no ocean, there is no life. And um, 
yeah, it's it's really urgent for us to begin thinking about this and taking action. And there's not a silver bullet. You know, I wish I could tell you like, this is the one thing we are going to do, but it's going to take a lot of different things. And government regulation should be much stricter, but the reality is industry has been built on a lot of this through you know, the money that is made and the way that the economies have been designed. And so there's a lot of lobbying, and there's a lot of money that's preventing it from actually making a difference right now. That's why if you make the consumer, if you give the consumer an option, brands will change before regulations even get implemented. Hmm. Yeah. I know, I know we've been talking a lot about like the doom and gloom of the situation. And on that note, I know you said there's no silver bullet, but I would love to hear like what kind of solutions there are. I know, you know, having the brand spearhead this is awesome. Like, what can we do? Like, what can, what can we, what do you think needs to happen to, to help alleviate the situation? Well, it's a, it's a great question. Like, One thing I said, you know, it took billions of people making billions of decisions to get to this place today. So people are like, you know, this straw is not going to make a difference, you know, and straws are kind of like whatever. You see the straw with the turtle or the turtle with the straw up its nose. Like, yes, that's a sad fact and it's a reality, but there's really like, there's these monstrous issues, right? And so what do we do about it and how do we even begin tackling it? The, the one thing that gives me a lot of hope is that there are like, we as human beings have been programmed to survive, right? Think about the very beginning of, you know, when we started to become intellectual, right? It was all about survival and it was all about how we were able to use innovation and what I hope will happen and, and really believe could happen is that through innovation, there's going to be so many new ways to create livable cities, to improve transportation, to look at renewable energy and like really look at it, right? Because today it's hard to even get things past regulation and there's it's so expensive right now to get things like to be competitive with a fossil fuel burning solution. It's just way too expensive. So no brands are going to do it. If regulation were to stimulate that and say, okay, this is better for the earth, so we're going to get behind it. Um, that's what gives me hope because I think as human beings, we're like the, we will figure out a way to survive because that's what we've always done. Um, and there has to be a pretty big shift in just general, like mass consumption of, you know, the food we eat. And, um, that's a whole nother topic outside of fishing too, but like the current food systems are pretty wild when you think about it. And, you know, it's like, we all could play a different role and, actually just demanding alternatives or when there is an alternative to be able to choose that one, even if it is a bit more expensive. And it's it's easy to say, but when you look at places like in the developing world who are struggling for water or food, it's really hard to say like, you need to change this behavior because they're like looking at survival. And as you know, the population grows or not because of, you know, plastic in our bodies. But as populations grow, these are going to become like and more and more difficult challenges to survive, um, especially in the developing world, where they have just a much harder time to, you know, be told that you know don't use plastic when the only clean water they can get comes in plastic. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, it's going to be the consumers and their choices. Um, but there's going to be a ton of innovation, and it has to be backed by by government and by policy. 
And some of that, you know, the Paris Accord falls because it's not really mandated. It's like basically they ask governments to sign up for like, hey, what are your carbon emission reductions going to be? And then if they don't hit it, there's not really a penalty. So the Kyoto uh, Protocol was more strict, but nobody wanted to sign up for it. The Paris Accord is more lenient. People are signing up for it and countries are signing up for it, but nobody's hitting targets and there's no consequence for not hitting it. Um, but what mm. I do believe is that there's huge market opportunity for leaders here. And I believe that there's a ton of money to be made actually in finding solutions. And I believe that there's a ton of innovation that is in us that will be unlocked out of just sheer necessity to be able to live on a, a hospitable planet. So that's what gives me hope is that like human beings are survivors at the end of the day. We'll figure out what to do somehow one way or another. Yeah. I think so many of us want to help, you know, like so many, I think so many consumers are like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I hear this. Like, I know like we're in trouble and I want to do things. And maybe people don't really know where to start. I'm curious, kind of like, what are some things that you've adopted in your life to kind of help, um, help with the environment? Yeah. First of all, I don't use plastic like at all because of the health thing too. Like I just, you know, I would never like we get takeout and plastic and your food's hot in there. It's just, it's not really healthy. And it's also not really environmentally friendly because you can't really throw that away. So if you can eat at home, try to be plant-based, even if it's like one day a week that you're going for it. Um, the reality is though the food systems are, are really, really bad because when you think about like what happens in the United States, for example, we are growing massive amounts of corn and soy, and they're filled with like, you know, pesticides and nitrates and, and phosphate, and they go into the rivers, and then they basically all of that dumping goes into like these dead zones that's being created in the Gulf of Mexico. There's a huge dead zone, like the size of New Jersey or something crazy. And it's just killed off like fish. And then you take that corn and soy and you ship it to Brazil to feed cattle and you knock down the rainforest. And then these cattle are like killed totally inhumanely and then shipped all over the world. So that in itself is absolutely crazy. And I'd like to say, yeah, if you could, yeah, I know it's, it's, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I need to lay down. Sorry. I keep talking. I'm just going to lay down. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, and that's cattle and you saw conspiracy and the overfishing that happens and, you know, the bycatch and these, and, and everything that's happening to the animals there. Um, you know, it, it, ideally locally grown uh, vegetables are great if you can, you know, but of course it's like, it's all an option that not everybody has access to, but I would always push for that. And then just try to remove plastic where you can from your life. Um, it's super easy. Like I have a plastic free, um, like, you know, life and it's never an inconvenience. I just, I have my bottle with me wherever I go and it's super easy. There's fill stations everywhere mm. and it makes it pretty easy. And, you know, I would just, it's, again, it's these decisions. It's all of these little decisions that lead to like a totally different mindset and try to just challenge yourself, challenge your partner, challenge your friends, you know, switching to a bamboo toothbrush might sound insignificant, but uh, when you just get used to it, it becomes pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, I, I'm actually curious of some of these like other ways that you've gone plastic free in your life and the water bottle one, like I just want to, 
clarify this for anybody listening because this was a big thing for me. Um, I used to be, I'm a huge water drinker. I used to go, I remember being in college and like literally going through cases and cases of water bottles. Like were you hungover? The, the thought of it now. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe a little bit. Um, but I I actually switched over to a, a giant Yeti. I have like the liter Yeti bottle maybe like three years ago. But I I literally carry it with me everywhere. I carry it with me everywhere. I fill it up everywhere. And I never use plastic water bottles like I used to. It's it, It's been a huge, huge reduction. So I think that is like such an easy, such an easy one to adopt. Um, the toothbrush you mentioned was another one. What other little like plastic-free hacks do you have for us? Yeah, it's crazy. Something like over 50% of people who drink bottled water in America do it in their home. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I'm always like, you know, get a Brita. It's not, it's not going to kill you. It's like, you know, and plus municipal water is actually more regulated than anything you'll get in a bottled water. Um, but the other thing is just like, uh, going, you know, we go to the grocery store and all of those little plastic bags, like the average plastic bag, I think lasts something like 10 minutes. And so um, sad. And it's like single use, single use. And it's just, you know, people think that you can recycle them. You can't um, because they just uh, get caught in the machines. And the, the guy who actually invented the plastic bag did it because he was worried about trees getting cut down and all of the paper bags that were getting used. So that's another thing where it's like, just because it's different doesn't always mean that it's better. Um, so like, you know, but ultimately, like I have a reusable little parlay bag um, that, you know, is made from our ocean plastic. And when you buy one, it helps to clean 10 pounds of plastic from beaches as well. And it's just like a little square. I can throw it in my pocket. I've got a couple in my car. Um, That's super easy. I just like have them around in my backpack and whatever. The other thing is just, you know, uh, the the, the takeout stuff is really bad. Um, I also just stopped buying any sort of uh, like bar soap, like soap in bottles. Just don't think you really need it. and the bottles also have their, you know, they have phthalates in it and it, you know, that's like a plasticizer to soften up different plastics and it's filled with these horrible chemicals. So like silly things like that. I mean, ish. what do you, what do you use in, in place? Like for like your shampoo and I don't use like shampoo. body wash. <laughs> uh, you just wake up like this. Yeah, I wake up like this. No. Um, just like uh, I've got a couple of um, like these organic ones that I found here that I really like. I don't remember the name of it, um, but the, uh, the bar soap is super easy and it's not wrapped in plastic. That's a really, that's a, like a total no brainer. Yeah. I just think when you start to look at everything that you have, that's plastic, it's really like, just think about all of the different things. Um, there's also different types of floss you can get. That's not plastic. Uh, Kitty uses these metal straws you know, cause she really likes straws. So she's got these metal straws she, she carries around. The thing is plastic has been so adopted because it's so durable and reliable and like everything's packaged in it, but we're starting to see some pretty cool solutions that are looking at like different materials that can be used. We just have to make sure it's not the next plastic bag. But the point is that like, there's all of these solutions out there yeah, I mean, I'm happy to provide like a list of of different things you can do, but um, there's a lot out there, and it's really you just have to look for them, and you'll 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 be surprised, and uh, you'll feel better, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I, I can include some of those suggestions in our show notes too, if anybody if anybody's interested. I'm curious. I know I know these are those are some like very specific, you know, plastic substitutions, but I for anybody who is listening to this podcast, if you want them to walk away doing any type of actions, like what would you suggest? Yeah, I think the big thing is just <laughs> these really tangible actions that I know sound like pretty medial and probably won't make a huge difference. They actually do. I would just say like, when you go to the grocery store, just count how many pieces of plastic you pick up. And when you go the next time, see what you can do less. Uh, because until there's like different solutions, it's you're going to continue to have all of those options. But you'd be surprised how many options you have in glass versus plastic. And mm. just try to keep a small measure of what you're doing and how much plastic you're using. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be very surprised by the fact that there are options out there. So that would be one thing. The other thing is just, you know, trying to think through like avoiding all toxic materials if you can. And it's small steps, you know, it's small steps. I would encourage people to try to be vegetarian once a week, at least to start. And it's these billions of decisions, you know, and every one of those decisions you make can, can help. And that's all we can really do at the moment. Of course, there's going to be new innovations and everything else coming that's going to make your life a lot easier. Uh, but until then, just try to do your part to reduce your own footprint. Yeah. Yeah. Just even like the awareness around it, I think is is so huge because you're right. Like I'm like, oh my God, when I go to the grocery store and I if I really start counting like the things I'm picking up on plastic, I think I'm going to be very alarmed. <laughs> yeah. Very alarmed. The, the thing is like, there's no away, you know, there's no away. There's only the oceans. And so when you're throwing something away or even in recycling, chances are it's just going to go to this landfill and or get blown into the ocean. So like try, I mean, there's, I have friends that have gone completely zero waste and live a perfectly happy life. You know, I mean, mm. they're like buying groceries from the farmer's market or just using those little net bags instead of using the plastic ones. and you know, taking care of all of the things that you purchase and just being a bit more minimalistic. I know that's a huge ask. Uh, we are definitely in a consumption-driven world, but, you know, there's a there's a why to everything. So ask yourself those questions and just doing a little bit can actually go a long way. And talking to your friends about it a little bit as well. I think people are starting to become much more awake to everything that's happening. But even um, having that dialogue once in a while, uh, I do it all the time, but people get tired of listening to me about it. <laughs> no, no, it's it's all stuff we need to know, and it's stuff we need to hear. And um, it can be a tough, it can be a tough situation because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, uh, it, it is very daunting. It can feel very, very daunting. But you're right. I think if we all make these little little micro decisions, if we all start to make. Um, you know, eco-friendly, a little sexier. That's right. <laughs> maybe we can make, maybe we can make an impact. Yeah. Tony, thank you so, so much for being on the pod this week. If actually, I'm curious if you want people or if people are curious and they want to get more information, do you have any like great resources that you would recommend for people to learn more about this topic? Yeah. Um, probably I have it here, but probably the best book, if you really want to go into a hole is Drawdown. Um, it's the most comprehensive book on climate change and some of the solutions. It's a really, really good one. Highly recommended. And there's, yeah, definitely check out our Instagram at parlay.tv. Um, see some of the stuff we're working on there. 
um, not only with brands, but with NGOs around the world to empower them to start solving these challenges we're facing. So yeah, it's been it's been a real pleasure, Sarah. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to to share some of this with your audience. No, thank you. This is such an important topic and you are welcome back anytime. Well, thanks, Sarah. Uh, really a pleasure to be on. And thanks for giving me the voice to share with your audience. I'm hopeful that we can make some difference here. Um, our lives are all depending on it. Seriously. Happy Earth Day. Uh, happy <laughs> Earth Day. Thanks, Sarah. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope it wasn't too depressing. Honestly, I think it's just so important that we start having these conversations and learning more about these issues. Like, I love what Tony said about it taking millions of micro decisions to get to this place and it taking millions of micro decisions to turn it around. We all have the ability to make some changes and to make an impact on this planet. And obviously, we could only fit so much info into this episode, and there is so much more to learn here. So I'm going to encourage all of you to check out our show notes this week. I've included a few resources if you want to dig in a little deeper. I've also included a few Instagram accounts to follow because honestly, I found that's one of the best ways to stay up to date on information and just learn new things in bite-sized pieces is just is just having that info served to me in my feed. It's been super, super helpful. So I'm going to encourage you guys to uh, check those accounts out that I link in show notes. I mean, a good one to start is to just follow at parlay.tv. We are actually teaming up to do a giveaway with them this week um, with the bag that Tony mentioned. Every Parlay Ocean bag removes about 10 pounds of marine plastic debris and it's created from the equivalent of five intercepted plastic bottles. So to win one of these awesome bags, just head over to the Big Kid Problems Instagram page and you'll see my post for this episode to enter. And hey, if you don't win one, you should definitely still hit the shop on Parlay because all of their products help make an impact. I'm also going to link that in show notes for you guys to check out. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week and for dedicating your time to learn more about this stuff. Now go enjoy mother nature, maybe sip a nice little cold cocktail on a rooftop. I don't know, just spitballing here. And I hope to see you back here next week for a brand new episode. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday.